I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, it's Lauren Dimmitt Waters back. Happy New Year. Uh, I just want to tell you that uh, I am now doing this podcast by myself. So Beauty is a Bitch is now a solo endeavor. So just wanted to let you know that Melissa has moved on to greener pasture. She's cool. She's still listening. Everything's fine. But um, and I still love her to pieces and she's welcome to come back anytime she wants. But I am on my own. So for my first guest for the new year, I have a woman that I met. How long ago? Well, I'll, 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 and let me introduce her first. And then we can talk about how we met. Her name is Amanda Thebe, and she wrote a, bit, a book called Menopocalypse. And it is fabulous, especially for those of us that are going through that lovely change. And she has just a really refreshing approach to talking about menopause, understanding menopause. And she's a fitness and women's health expert. And she went from barely surviving menopause to thriving by making specific changes to her diet, exercise and her approach to mental health. And you'll love her book because it's it's funny. There are certain times I laugh out loud, especially because I know her and I can hear her saying this. She also cuts through all the information and misinformation when it comes to menopause to demystify hormone replacement therapy, hormone stress related stress, weight gain, poor energy, lack of sleep and so much more. So it it's she's a personal trainer with over 20 years of experience in the fitness industry, and she's been on podcasts, including this one now and online summits and her Health and fitness tips have been featured at media outlets like Shape, Prevention, Healthline, and Global News. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm really great. Thanks for having me on first of the season, Lauren. And you're one of the few people I've actually met in person. You know, like we do all of these virtual things, but we connected initially at an, at an event in New York, wasn't it? Like three years ago? Yeah, it was like three years ago. And you and I hit it off. I liked you because you, like, you say it like it is, like I do. <laughs> I know. And you like, I think we both said things that like didn't agree with each other's viewpoint as well. And we had a good laugh about it as well, which I love. Yes. Because, you know, like I think that there's so much angst out there and people are always fighting and I'm tired to the back teeth of it. And yeah, I like you too, Lauren. The, feel, <laughs> feel, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> yeah, we just had to put that out there. So anyway, I wanted to say your book was so refreshing. Um, and I, I, I mentioned to you that I started reading it. I put it down and then like, I, I guess I needed to be in the right frame of mind. And then I was, and I just whipped right through it. And it was, it made me laugh out loud a couple of times. I have to tell you. Uh, it was, it was in, yeah, it, it was interesting writing the book because, you know, menopause is one of those really dry topics that make people want to roll their eyes slightly. Right. And so I needed to find a way to write about a topic that was really important 
in a really factual way that was going to help women, but also had like a little bit of my personality, well, a lot of my personality, but a little <laughs> bit of humor in. But it's really hard to write humor about a topic without diminishing the seriousness of it. And so it was like a little bit of a hard balance to find. But I also know that humor got me through some of the worst times, right? Yes. And so it's, it's an important part of the process. It's very important for me and I get it. And I totally, I th- think you, you did fantastically with that because it, you didn't diminish it and you didn't minimize it, but you did help, I think, women approach it with a little bit of a sense of humor. You have to have one, I think, especially when life is throwing a bunch of lemons at you, which is what mm. menopause can feel like. So I just wanted to, what I really liked is, um, well, I know I think that when women are going through menopause, I can at least speak for myself. It, you feel like you're the only one going through it at the time and that you're so misunderstood. Can you briefly tell us your story? Like what led you to this, to write it's this? It's essentially, essentially the same thing, Lauren. I mean, I was, so like you said, I've been in the fitness industry for, it's actually coming up to be three decades now. So I've been doing this a long time and I feel as though I'm pretty well educated in all things to do with the body, you know, health and wellness and nutrition and exercise and the physiological side of everything. And so going into my 40s, I was a little bit smug. I was like, look at me. I'm awesome. I'm yep. nailing in this aging business. And, um, and then when I was about 42, I started to feel unwell and I just couldn't get better. And I couldn't put my finger on what was wrong. Like I struggled with vertigo, nausea, and what turned out to be migraines with aura, like so no headache, but the vestibular type. And I lost feeling in my face and down one side of my body. And I would be like crawling around on my hands and knees. It was just insane. Um, And then I I went to the doctors. The doctors were great. They listened to me. They put me through like myriads of tests, like MRIs, cat scans, you know, they wanted to find out what was going on. Um, But none of them got to the like root cause. None of them could identify that what was happening to me was because my hormones were shifting. So the neurologist, the ENO's throat doctor, the uh, my general practitioner, none of them once made that connection. Yep. And then when I went to my annual gynecology exam, it was like two years into this. So I'd been feeling like shit for two years. Oh my God, you suffered for two years. Two years, completely felt isolated. I didn't tell anybody about this because I almost felt like I was failing somehow. Right. Um, I went to my gynecologist and he said, listen, the things that, because he actually said, how are you doing? Because I think I look so terrible. And I was like... (laughs) started crying and he just said listen these are valid symptoms of perimenopause you're not alone many women go through this I see them every single day and I can help you oh my and god I was like, perimenopause what the hell is that like this is like eight years ago right um I also was um really struggling with depression that I didn't identify either and he identified that wow. and um I remember going for a coffee with my husband afterwards and I just said and he said, what's wrong? What did he, what did he say was going on? And I said, you know, he said, I've got, I'm going through perimenopause. These are the symptoms of it. I've got depression. And my husband went, oh my God, thank God for that. I thought you were going to leave me. <laughs> <He just> like, <laughs> and it was funny looking back because 
I didn't know what was going on. And so for two years, my husband and my children were living with a virtual stranger and it was impacting my relationship with them. It was horrible. And so that was literally the start of me, like going through everything, talking about it and trying to raise awareness and, and telling women that they aren't alone, they're not isolated and that there's a, there's a place. I actually have a Facebook group, which um, I try not to spend too much time in because I actually do find it a little bit exhausting, always talking about menopause with other women. I know your but, Facebook group. I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, now and again, you know, you'll go in there and you'll, and I'll remember the reason why I started it. And it's, right. a woman will say, I'm so alone. Am I, am, I, am I the only one going through this? I'm desperate. And I'm like, yeah, lady, we've all been there. It's horrible. Yeah. I think, I think your Facebook group, that's how I, I been in it. And it's like just legitimized a lot of, and and, you know, I think that you unfortunately really uh, it's one of the worst stories I've heard. I mean, I, I'm going through it, but you know, I have like much less, I mean, I identify with much of what you wrote in your, in the book, but you know, my symptoms are much less. Thank God. But who knows? You know, next year could be a different year. Next month could be different. You know, it's as, as is the nature of the beast, right? You right. just don't know what's coming around the corner. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's life, too. Um, and I think one of the reasons that it was so difficult for anybody to identify it with me is I was 42 years old. And right. we have this misconception that menopause is for older women. Yes. You're like the conversation's definitely changing now. This is eight years ago. But I've since learned that, and I write about that in the book as well, that, you know, our general practitioners, our primary caregivers have absolutely zero training in menopause, zero. It doesn't get touched on in medical school. And then the people that we expect to be able to help us, our gynecologists and obstetricians, well, gynecologists really, only 20% 20 of those choose to take menopause training in their fellowships. Oh my so Lord, really? Dis- yeah, there's a massive disservice happening to 51% of the population. That's amazing because you would think, well, hopefully this is going to change because like you, I remember g- talking to my uh, gynecologist and he told me that I was in perimenopause back and I like, what is that? I'd never even yeah. heard of it. I mean, of course I'd heard of menopause, but I, I was like, and I, like you, I was in my well, I was probably in my mid forties. I had no idea what he was talking about. I had a like, I'm like, what is that? So it's amazing to me how much more the com and I think the conversation is starting to happen. I think women are feeling more comfortable. At least I hope they start to because I believe so. Yeah. I've noticed a difference in the past couple of years myself. Now I I wanted to say that I I love the layout of the book and that I, I love, as I said, that your sense of humor comes through. Um, and that you cover more than hot flashes and moodiness. Like you talk about hormone replacement therapy, debilitating depression, weight gain, what to eat, what not to eat, how to work out, strength and strength training. We can get into that because I know that's important to you. How to relax and sleep and how to, you know, live with passion again. And you mentioned something called naming the emotion, which I thought was fabulous. Um, can you explain that a little bit? The notice and naming. Is that what you're talking about? When we, yes. when we know, when we notice and name. Yes. So this isn't something I've made up. This is a psychological tool. Um, and it's, it's something that's been proven to really help us like put us in the present. So what, 
sort of happens when anxiety runs rampant or depression takes hold of us. It stops us being in the here and now. And so um, we can associate depression with lingering on to things that have happened in the past. And we can associate anxiety with looking forward and trying to sort of um, like fix things that haven't even happened yet, right? That's essentially sort of like a, an idiot's guide to both of them. Right. And so what, and so what notice and naming does, it's a tool that helps bring you back to the, to the present. Um, and I actually learned this during my nutritional training, which is, you'd think it wouldn't even be mentioned in something like a nutritional, like scientific course, but what it does is it sort of, it can help you in so many different sort of circumstances. So when you um, start like having like nagging doubts or beliefs about like what's happening by noticing and naming what's happening, you can sort of like identify it and then move on. And so um, like if I want to use like um, like nutrition, for an example, that's like that's like a really good mm-hmm. one. Right. So it's super simple to think of you. You're like hungry and you go, OK, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. Well, what noticing and naming does is it get you to pause even just for a second and say, are you hungry? Is that something right. you really, you really identify now? Or are you just bored? Is this an, an old habit that says it's 11 o'clock, I have to have a muffin now? I mean, I'm talking about if weight management is something that's important to you. Um, and so what notice and naming does is it gets you to pause and stop and say, oh, actually, you know, I, I think I'm not hungry. I might just have a cup of tea and see how I feel in 30 minutes. And if I still feel hungry, then yeah, that's true hunger. And I can eat like, you know, like it's just actually making you completely aware of your emotions and your feelings in the, in the present. And another way that this can be helpful is when we look at ourselves and we have those nagging negative thoughts that lots of women have, you know, you know, the one like I'm I've got too many gray hairs. I'm getting fat. My wrinkles are gross and all of those things. (laughs) Well, it can be like a really effective way of saying, you know, okay, you, you've noticed that you've got extra wrinkles. Like, let's just sit with that for a moment. You've noticed it. Does it make you any worth? Is is your worth any less? Does it make you any worse of a person? Are you still the, the awesome person you, you know, you are? Yes, you are. So let's move on from it. And so it's okay to have, like hard thoughts it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel terrible about yourself but it's not okay to act on them and do detrimental things to your health and so just that pause stops you going the next step I I think that's also probably helpful for what's going on in the world right now too oh my god you know and how it's affecting mental health um but also you know when you just start I know that like for me and I think this also helps with menopause like meditation even if it's just for five ten minutes a day just uh, just to take a moment and just be in the moment you know has really been helpful and I know you you talk about it I do and meditation can look different for everyone I mean I really struggle with meditation because I'm not a still person I like I I'm I'm talking about my mind I've got that squirrely mind you know it's like yeah yeah yeah. it's already planning dinner right now as I'm talking to you and so um I mean there's apps out there that we know are good you know like um headspace or calm those are that actually make you have to focus and do it with them or or you can just sit and do five or six big big belly breaths that that type of 
um, breath actually makes the diaphragm, which is your a muscle in your abdomen, it's your breathing muscle, it actually makes it contract and expand. And that motion itself elicits the parasympathetic nervous system, the nervous system that calms you down. Yep. So and you even be- talk about this in the book. You t- you talk about box breath and and I do that with meditation. So that was, it's great. Breathing Again, is super not, important. <laughs> it's not a, a new concept, but it's something that maybe we forget to do. Absolutely. And, and it's easy to, and, and you know what, one of the easy ways to do things like this is to make them priority. And it's so difficult when we've got so many things going on and our thoughts are going crazy. Yep. So I actually schedule stuff like that in. I love doing to-do lists. And so on the morning I get up, have my coffee and I go and sit outside and I know the weather's a little bit nicer here for me in Houston, but I go and I do some big belly breaths and I do that and I'm by myself and it's five minutes and I'm rocking, you yep. know, like it really is a simple thing, but we know it works. We know it can change the makeup of your brain. We know it can have really positive, um, sort of like change, positive yeah. changes can happen in the brain. It, it's funny. I'm with you. I'm like the last person on earth that I thought would ever meditate. I am so type A, can't sit still. And I, I, I fell in love with it. It was amazing. And it surprised me probably more than anybody. Uh, but since the pandemic and I can't go, I like guided meditation and I can't go to my, and I try to do them online, you know, or a zoom one. And, you know, the other day I was in meditation, the doorbell rang, you know, and I had to get, what are you going to do? You can't just check out. So that's been, it's been a bummer in that aspect, but anyway, let's get back to this. I wanted to ask you, there's been so much debate. I know women are going to want to know about this because there's so much debate about hormone replacement therapy and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. What are your thoughts? Now, I know I've read what you wrote in the book, but I'd like you yeah. to share. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of debate about it and they shouldn't be. That's what I would start with saying because, you know, <clears throat> the problem is, is that um, first of all, women aren't being offered it as first line treatment, um, and they should be. You know what's happening in treatment methods for um, for for menopause. Excuse me, problem <coughs> for menopause is that women are going to the doctors. The doctors aren't educated. Thankfully, yours was, and so they're getting over prescribed things like antidepressants. And while antidepressants have got a, can play a role, it shouldn't be the first line treatment that women get when they go to see their medical provider. Mm-hmm. And what, what the North American Menopause Society, what the Association of, um, the, um, Association of Ob- Obstetricians and Gynecologists and all um, international menopause society are saying is that hormone replacement therapy should be the first-line treatment to women in perimenopause and menopause. But what's happened in the past is there's been a lot of scaremongering around hormone um, replacement therapy stating that it can cause heart disease and um, breast cancer. Right. And so some doctors are still holding on to that message and some women are holding on to that message too. And what we do know now, though, is that like that controversy should have been put to bed. It made headline news at the time in the New York Times. Um, and it's since it hasn't been ever been retracted. It was initiated in 2002 by the Women's Health Institute. Um, and it, uh, since then, people have come out who were doing the research and have said that it was rushed out. It wasn't um, it wasn't a true um, 
picture of what's happening with hormone therapy and the um and and so North American Menopause Society have then turned around and said that you know we we can move on from that now but the New York Times have never come out and said the headlines have changed hormone therapy is safe you know we've we've never we've never had that statement but um the North American Menopause Society have come out with statements saying this is what should be issued to women and so what happened is during the time between like sort of like then and now um private clinics and compounding pharmacies still would issue estrogen and progesterone to women when their doctors wouldn't mm-hmm. um and what was happening is these um these hormones were being issued to women they were paying thousands of, like a year to get the treatment um and they weren't covered by the efficacy and safety of the um FDA you got to excuse me <coughs> for some reason my voice is going a little bit here <laughs> um and so um what the FDA do is for every single hormone that gets prescribed to you from your doctor, it goes through years and years and years of research. And what happens is when you go to a private clinic and they mix up like this individual um, prescription for you, it's got, it, it breaks down any of the efficacy and safety that it's already undergone. And so you literally don't know what you're putting on your body. Right. And so... What happened is these um, practitioners would call them bioidentical hormones and it made women think, oh, well, I'm going to be able to take hormones that are natural and that are safe and I feel really good about this. Um, And bioidentical is a term that was a marketing term used by these clinics. And and I totally understand it. I understand why women would want to go for something that feels like natural to them. And so this is where I try and break down the um, misconceptions about it because bioidentical um, is a term that's now being used by like um, these regulated hormones. And so what women need to do is look at what is regulated and what is unregulated. Right. That's literally the difference. A bioidentical hormone means it's made um, to be almost identical to the structure of the hormones in a woman's body. It's usually derived from yams, but it doesn't mean that like you're going to chop a yam in half and rub a piece of like potato <laughs> on your leg. It's, it, that's not what it means. It actually goes through an extraction process in the lab and it ends up coming out not natural at all. It goes through a synthetic process, but it's derived from natural sources. Um, and you can get these exact same hormones from your doctor on prescription for a fraction of the cost. Most insurance plans cover right. it for like um, six to ten dollars a month or whatever. And so, and you know that there's a safety aspect that comes with them. And so, that's all I would say is if you really want to go on hormone therapy, then get yourself to the doctor, get a list off the website, off Google, and put in FDA regulated hormones, FDA regulated bioidentical hormones, go to your doctor and ask for them. That's, Um, that's such great advice. And I hope women follow that. I know, you know, it's funny because I see a, um, I have my gynecologist who I've been seeing forever, but I also see a functional medicine doctor who also happens to be, um, a gynecologist. So I've been, she's the one and I'm surprised she's got me on all these different, not all, I don't want to say too many, but I'm on supplements and things like that, because um, I have some other issues that have to do with, you know, aging, all the fun things that happen. And she's the one that wanted me to do hormone replacement therapy. And I was like, no, I've heard, you know, about breast cancer. And, you know, and she yeah. she said basically what you just said. So um, it's nice to hear that because, you know, I had all this misinformation. And yeah, yeah, why and suffer of- if I don't have to? 
That's you know? exactly it. You know, I always say like, you know, we go through menopause and it's a natural process, but so is giving birth and so is dying, yeah. right? And we don't, and you don't have to suffer through any of them these days, right? Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I like to tell women is that, you know, hormone replacement therapy is a fraction of the dose of what birth control is. And women don't even think twice about taking a birth control tablet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I and, never thought of it that way. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. You're right. And it's a it's a super super low level. Yeah. I mean it it's not re, it's in fact it's not replacing your hormones. It's literally just adding some sort of buffer there. It's such such just a low amount that it sort of helps to like regulate the symptoms a little bit, and it just helps like make them feel less intense. Um, some women still stay on birth control pill during um some of the early stages of perimenopause because it can sort of help as well. So, but I would just like do your research, go to some of these um, websites that I've like mentioned, like the North American Menopause Society, and um, and really do your research. And if you go to a doctor and they start offering you like um, pellets or compounded hormones, just stop and just think: one, why do I need to do that when I have a, a cheaper, safer option available on prescription? Because ultimately, there's going to be some pep. Pe- like kick back to the doctor. I mean, I, yeah. I actually have a statement from the American College of Obstetrician and Gynecologists, and they say customized compounded hormones pose additional risks. These preparations have very variability in their purity and potency and lack efficacy and safety data. So they don't even need to put a black box label inside. They can just wow. put it in a tub and give you it probably mixed with sawdust. Who knows? Who knows? And that's that's so scary yeah. because these women probably think that they are doing something better for them, you know, for so themselves. So confusing. Yeah. It's so confusing. So I think that's a really valuable piece of information. If anybody takes anything out of this podcast, I pray that you take this advice and that, you know, don't just think that all natural or what you think is natural is necessarily the best for you. I mean, I think that's a really, really valuable, important, really important piece of advice. Um, And so so part of my message is as well, even though I'm pretty like hardcore with my message on that, I'm literally giving women the information so they can make a choice. If ultimately they make a choice to go down the compounded route, fine, do it. But yeah, know, right. know the information. Know what you're getting into. You right. Yeah. I, I agree. I think knowledge is power. And, you know, especially if you're putting it into your body, you really should know what you're doing. Uh, you know, and if you don't like, if you have a doctor, I'm saying this to people, not you particularly, but listeners, you have a, a doctor that's not listening to you or understanding what you're saying, find another one. Ask your friends. What's the name of your Facebook group again? This is a great place to. What what is it? Menopausing sh- so hard. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's menopausing so hard. Isn't that a great name? Um, <laughs> and it's a great group, and you can you can go onto this Facebook group, and if you're having some issues, you know, or whatever, just ask a question. Nobody judges. It's actually a really safe space, and it's lovely, and it's very. Which is yeah, that's super important to say because the whole point of the space is it's like a non celly. Um, like there's people aren't allowed to self-promote in there. Yep. I mean, I obviously put stuff in there because the whole point is I'm trying to share like all of the resources I've got. But there is um it's no judgment. You can do and say what you want. We're respectful. And so it really is just just a community and nothing else. But I think that's how I knew <clears throat> like you were on to something and you had mentioned, I remember when you and I had met a few years ago, you had said that you were possibly gonna write a book, you were looking to write a book. 
And then I think you told you invited me into your group. I can't remember how I, I got onto it. And I think at the time I was in perimenopause and, you know, it was I, I'm more of a lurker <laughs> than I, you know, but um, I there's been times I've 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 added some, you know, but I've learned a lot from it. And me too. Me too. I can continue to learn because still a lot of missing information and a lot of gaps um, in the da- in the data. We're not hugely researched. I mean, menopausal women are actually quite difficult to research. Um, and so, um, like I even mentioned in the book, like in the early part of the, um, like the 20th century, they realized that postmenopausal women with because of their lack of estrogen to protect their heart, actually became more open to becoming, um, to dying of heart disease. Heart disease and it's, right. it's, it's the biggest pillar of women as we know it right now. So they decided to do research on that, but the research they did was all on men. I mean, it's <laughs> mental. <laughs> it is, isn't it? it? It is. It's kind of crazy. But I think I know that, um, well, I guess being in the fashion industry, as long as I have, I know that like, you know, there's, the red dress show. So uh, fashion show at New York fashion week. And so I know that heart disease for women, I'd say in the past 10 years, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot more focus on that, but I had never put together that it was menopause that was, you know, leading women at a certain age and it's heart disease, you know, over the age of whatever menopause is. And it's it's really interesting just because, um, you know, the conversations of the book is written about perimenopause all the way to postmenopause and postmenopause essentially is like after you've stopped having your periods for 12 months and your estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest threshold anytime you live after that time you're considered menopausal or in postmenopause and so a lot of women think oh well once I'm through menopause I'm fine I'm swimming and I just need to like get on with it type thing. And, and yes, you do, but you also need to be super aware that because you don't have the protective element of estrogen, which is a hugely powerful hormone that has receptors all over the body, once you lose that protective nature, that you're then at risk for some of the major diseases that actually end up killing us, like osteoporosis, heart disease. You re- it's much easier to become insulin resistant, so obesity and um, and diabetes become like uh, like some higher risks for us as well. And so, um, looking after our health when we're postmenopause is super super essential. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you, uh, first of all, I love that you have your four hacks for thriving and menopause. And can you tell us what those are? Yes. So, you know, I didn't just want like, I literally have just been listening to myself talk and thinking, oh shit, she sounds like she's all doom and gloom. I didn't want to be like that. (laughs) No, actually, I think what you said about the hormone replacement therapy was actually not doom and gloom because I think that most women or a lot of women from the misinformation think they hear about hormone replacement therapy and they're like, ah, so actually that was not doom and gloom. You brought some light to that, but so it was positive. Okay. So yes. you don't just have menopause and then die. Okay, right, all right. right. And so, so <laughs> life is over. So, life right. is over. So, and, and you know, there's, the, I think in my mind as well, going into menopause or even thinking what menopause was my misconception, it was like an old woman's type thing. And, you know, you passed your prime and we're so different. I mean, I'm 50 and, you know, like I, I don't, didn't think that 50 would feel like this. I actually thought it would feel older and I feel very young in, at heart. You're someone who's very young at heart as well. And I think just in general, we've reframed what aging is. 
You know, yes. I've been, I spoke to John London recently on an interview and found out she was 70 years old and, and like nearly had a cow. Yeah. She had so much energy. And, and, and it's again, it's changing how we are as we age. And so, you know, it can often feel like we're not going to thrive because perimenopause can be so challenging. But there is light at the end of the tunnel for sure. And so that's why, even though I spend the first part of the book talking about what the reality is, I, I spend the second part of the book talking about the hacks. Okay. And the, and the four hacks that I like coach women with and talk about myself and have used myself are how to eat. So it's a nutritional educational chapter. Right. And it's yep. like, I'm, I'm telling you, you can eat carbohydrates. In fact, I'm telling you, they're essential to your health. Right. Yeah. I try and like bunk a few of the myths about the like the fake diets that are out there that like scare women into thinking, you know, that some food is good and some food is bad. Like I try and educate women on nutrition so that they can make good choices again. Right. And the good choices that support their body. The next one is how to move. And I talk about movement in general, like moving as opposed to being sedentary. And then specifically, I then talk about strength training. Right. I know you're a big proponent of strength training. Well, I'm also a strength coach, so I right. have an <laughs> ultimate I have an ultimate bias, but right. I think it's a good bias to have. You know, it comes with a lot of evidence behind it. And this book is heavily researched as well. It's not just my opinion, right? Right. Um, I then um, have two other chapters. One is how to de-stress. De like I call it calm the F down yeah. <laughs> and then get some sleep because cortisol is a huge, high cortisol is a huge problem um, in perimenopause and menopause. And so it can disrupt our reactions to things. It can disrupt um, our mental health and our sleeping. And so I try and explain why that happens and some things that you can try to try and resolve that. Yes. And then the last one is how to think. And I sort of have like subtitled this shift happens because, and it goes back down to what we spoke about earlier, like the notice and naming um, and just trying to be present with yourself, but then also to them, why are you being present to try and look at your strengths and try to identify what makes you the person you are that helps you thrive and helps you become the person you're ultimately going to be for the rest of your life, right? Um, and I believe that these four elements together are super important. And you have to look at your whole menopause and aging journey as a big holistic thing, not just as how much you wear and how much you exercise, right? It has to right. be everything together. So you have to look at it as like a whole enchilada <laughs> the whole thing I like whole enchilada as opposed to holistic I don't love the word holistic I use that in meaning the whole sense of things right not as not as an alternative health um paradigm but yeah the whole enchilada I, you I know mean. it's funny you got me <laughs> you said the funniest and I'm gonna say this you have a hashtag that you use that made me literally laugh out loud and it's hashtag age however the fuck you want and no. I was like that is awesome. I may have to borrow that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope you do. And, you know, there's a couple of others that I use that it's like aging inappropriately or like, I just don't, why is it that we're expecting, you're like this with your fashion. Why have we got these expectations of what women can and can't do? Who makes the fucking rules up here? It's ridiculous. I, you know, it's funny. I remember my mother when she turned 40, you know, and I'm lit, you know, I'm young. So I'm like, wow, that's so yeah. old. Now I'm yeah, like, yeah. killed to be 40 again. <laughs> And she caught, my mom had this like long 
longish, you know, shoulder length, a little bit longer, blonde hair. And she cut it because she was under the, you know, the wrong assumption that when you turn 40, you're supposed to cut your hair. And maybe that's how it was back in the seventies and eighties and probably before. But so she cut her hair and she hated it. And I was like, why, why did you cut your hair? You know? And she's like, she didn't, you know, I mean, she grew it back out. There's no, there are no rules. And I'm, I'm always telling women that, um, you know, and the older I get, the more I believe that. And I don't think that we should be put into a box and you have to think a certain way. You have to feel a certain way. But if you're not feeling good and you're not feeling like yourself, then go see a doctor. Now, what what kind of doctor? I know you mentioned your gynecologist, but what Mm. other kind of doctor could you talk to? Well, I might add that I was in Canada at the time as well. It wasn't the U.S. health system I was dealing with. I've since found um, menopause specialists here. Um, And to me, the best way to do this is you need to have, like, I I know you go to a functional doctor, um, and I'm not a huge fan of that, only because I want to personally see a doctor that's gone to medical school. Oh, she has. She has. All right. So she's a medical yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Oh, she's no, not like I a- agree with you. I agree All with right, you. All right. Sorry. I, I, it's no, no, no. Different- it's okay. I, and I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, There's different terminology yes. for everything here. It's so confusing. It's yeah. even confusing for me. And I did the research on it. So, yes. Yeah, so I personally would recommend that you go and see a medical doctor. Right. Um, and the, to me, the best resources out there are if you go to the North American Menopause Society website, which is actually just called menopause.org, okay. O-R-G. They have a find a practitioner um, um, site on there. And I found two people in Houston super quickly. There's tons in New York. They're, they're all over the place. If you can't find anybody there, there's now um, services online that you can use that actually set you up with these medical doctors or nurse practitioners as well that can prescribe you via video conference, like telemedicine. One of them's called Genev, which is G-E-N-N-E-V, Genev.com. Um, and I think you have to pay for the initial, I don't think it's covered by your insurance and it's $45. It might be covered by insurance now, but you do get a prescription at the end of it, which should be, in, which is covered by insurance, right? So um, I know lots of women that have used that service um, successfully as well. Um, but go and speak to your doctor. Like what, what I recommend women do and what I did personally is I went to my doctor with being informed and advocating for myself. I went and printed out a list of all of the FDA approved bioidentical hormones. I knew because I had a uterus, I needed to get progesterone (laughs) to go with my estrogen, right? So I went in with all of this information. I asked my doctor for it. He didn't want to give me it. He told me about breast cancer. I told him he was wrong. <laughs> he, gave me, he, he gave me estrogen only. I demanded progesterone. Yes. He, did, he said I didn't need it. It's just really important to be informed. And, you know, later that day, I got an email from my doctor and he just said, honestly, I know I seemed as though I was like offended when you spoke to me in practice, but I've gone and done my research and you were right. And I'm really sorry I didn't know this. Wow. And now from now on, I'll prescribe this. And I... My doctor was is was great and open to that. You know, some are set in the ways a little bit, but I just think that mostly they don't know. Look at and how many we, women you probably helped through that doctor. That's awesome. Look yeah, at it's a, it, 
it's the ripple, right? Yeah, you can you all were doing, drop that pebble in the water. You were doing your work even before you wrote a book. Look at that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so, the, so the our resources out there and and I highly recommend that you, you know, start at the North American Menopause website. There's tons of information on there. I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm, we're going to wrap it up. So I just wanted to say that um, do your research, right? That's be your own advocate. And if you don't like the answers you're getting, find another doctor. You've been given resources here to find them. And do go get Amanda's book. It's called Menopocalypse. And it's how I learned to thrive during menopause and how you can too. You can get this on Amazon anywhere you buy a book, right? Yep. Yep. It's doing well as well. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, It's doing great. I'm so proud of you. I can't believe that. I, I know another, I'm learning, I'm meeting authors. I'm so happy. And I get to see your picture on the book. Like, oh, it's a funny picture. Like it totally is me thriving. But you know, what I would say to, to women is that, you know, I sort of put myself out there and I'm very open and like, it's oversharing at its best, (laughs) this book. And, and it was difficult for me to do that because Some of it was a little bit embarrassing and, you know, it's difficult to have those conversations, but it's imperative, right? Menopause has become this taboo, shameful topic, and it's a natural force that happens in our life. For some women, clearly it isn't natural. They go through the, like a forced menopause, but for the majority of women, you're going to go through it. And so it should just be a normal topic of conversation. And the minute you normalize something, the easier it gets to talk about, and you've no idea the impact it can have on other women. And I'm hoping that by the next generation, it's just another thing we go through that we can talk about openly. I think, I think you're doing it. I'm doing it. You've got this Facebook group called Menopausing So Hard. You have this book. I think the conversation is having, and I think as women and women listening out there, it's if you're not talking about it, I'm not saying like to talk about it constantly and sleep dinner conversation or whatever, but, you know, have the conversation and make sure you you got through this feeling the best that you can, because look at Amanda here suffered for two years before she got it figured out. And you shouldn't have to suffer like that. So thank you so much, Amanda. This has been amazing. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it today. Sorry, my voice started going at the end. I think I've been doing too many of these. I was just going to say, you're probably doing a lot. It's okay. It was fine. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.